Welcome to Enhanced Therapy Podcast, where we talk with experts in MDMA-assisted therapy. MDMA-assisted therapy, can you believe it? My name is Derek Davda, I'm a clinical psychologist, and today, today is a good day. Today I'm here with the executive director of the Canadian branch of the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, Scott Bernstein. Hi, Scott. Hi, Derek. Nice to, nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate this. How's Vancouver? What's going on in Vancouver? It's, it's great. We're having, we're having an actual winter, uh, so snow and ice and wind and cold. And so, you know, it's our, it's our few weeks during the year that we actually get that. So it's okay. really, really wonderful. Oh, that's great. So you actually say it's wonderful. Good. That's, I, I, like, I, I like your angle on this. I heard different, uh, different angles. So, um, you know, the timing of our interview is really impeccable because two days ago, Health Canada made an amendment to drug laws in Canada that I think is pretty significant, but I'll let you tell us whether it is or not. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine uh, a better person to unpack this for us than you, Scott. And, uh, but maybe, maybe we can get to it right away. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks, Derek. So, yeah. So uh, I, I've been... Um, I've been working in drug policy for 14 years now, and I, I started, I, I came to Canada from the U.S. in 2006 um, with, to study environmental law. And so I ended up, I ended up getting, um, starting law school at UBC in Vancouver, and uh, right away I had the chance to work in an office uh, that, that was the uh, foremost it was uh, Arve Finlay, so Joe Arve was the foremost constitutional lawyer in Canada, and so the first legal case I got to work on was the Insight Supervised Injection oh, Site right. case, and so that was my introduction into drug policy, and I ended up working on that legal case uh, as a student and then as a new lawyer in the Supreme Court of Canada, and uh, worked for a number of years uh, with uh, Pivot Legal Society here in Vancouver, doing strategic litigation on behalf of people who use drugs. And so um, advocating for things like access to harm reduction, like prescription heroin, uh, challenging anti-harm reduction bylaws, that, that sort of thing. Right. Um, yeah, I, I worked for a number of years in New York with uh, Open Society Foundations uh, doing international drug policy work and funding, um, particularly focused at the UN level and supporting small drug policy organizations in Africa. And, uh, and then came back to Canada and, and spent a number of years working with the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition uh, that was, that's uh, based in Simon Fraser University mm. and represents over 50 organizations across Canada advocating for um, drug policies based on uh, supporting human rights and public health. Mm. And, and so I, I recently took on the, the lead of uh, MAPS Canada's executive director just mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, last Four fall. months ago? Four months ago, yeah. Yes. So fresh. So fresh. And, um, We're very happy I'm, to have you there. That's great. Thank you. And, and, and I'm, really, I'm really excited. Uh, my, my own personal interest uh, has always been in psychedelics uh, for, for my, own, my own interest and as psychedelics as a, a tool for potential healing, healing and betterment of humankind. So... I, I was really, um, I'm really excited about the opportunity to support 
uh, access to psychedelics, all different kinds of psychedelics in a real um, uh, positive Hmm. and equitable way that supports public health, human rights, betterment of people, inclusion, um, and diversity. And so uh, I, um, yeah, I'm just happy. I'm still, I'm still in many ways uh, learning about the field and the partners uh, in psychedelics, Mm -hmm. uh, but learning, learning quickly and uh, really, really working to build this organization um, of MAPS Canada back up to uh, what what its uh, potential. Right, right, and and that's uh, that's such a such a time of huge growth for Maps USA, and I imagine for Maps Canada as well. And so you fit right in there with your with your interests and the the mission of Maps Canada and your own interests align very very nicely. Yeah, and 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 uh, for those for those folks who don't know, Map, Maps Canada is the um, the, the longest standing. A psychedelic nonprofit in Canada. We, we've we're uh, celebrating our 10-year anniversary, and we're we're a uh, nonprofit charity, and we were we were formed originally to support the MDMA uh, phase two trials in Can- the Can- Canadian arm of that. And uh, in in turn, as we've grown over the years, we've we've been active in advocacy, education, and supporting other kinds of research. In psychedelics, and so my, my vision is that we're um, le- leading the field, building collaboration mm-hmm. with other organizations, mm-hmm. and really, you know, really shaping this fast-growing field of psychedelics in Canada as much as we can uh, for for a positive vision. You know, we we don't want to we don't want to see um, you, you know we, we don't want to see people excluded. We want right. to see uh, uh, you know we want to see a regulatory system created that that really provides. Right equal access and fairness and um you know just just a very healthy and positive way to access psychedelics mm-hmm. for people this field is so new and so fluid right now you know and the regulatory issues are undefined yet uh, so i i'm really interested in hearing your opinion about that but maps canada uh, also have had their input in in this new amendment that uh, the government of Canada just released two days ago that came to law two days yeah, ago. So, uh, yeah, correct. so actually, so actually, it was uh, our, our initiative um, uh, actually, a couple of years ago now <laughs> in collaboration with other yeah. organizations. So that was the BC Center on Substance mm-hmm. Use and the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition. We, we wrote a long right. letter to Health Canada um, ur- urging them to um, fix this regulatory problem uh, with with the special access program, and so I'll with yeah, so I'll program. I'll explain a little bit uh, for your listeners who aren't familiar with what the special access is. This program is this like. is this huge news? Is this huge news? What happened two days ago, or not huge um, news? What do you? I I don't think it's huge news. I I, I think it's you know in it's good news. Uh, it's good news. Of it's course. good news. It's a it's step, a step forward, forward for sure. Um, I, I think, in effect, uh, what, what's going to happen, though, is it's probably not going to be, um, a, you know, a, a huge change in who gets access to psychedelics. And, and I could talk a little bit about, like, why mm. I think that's the case. Mm. Uh, but I'm wondering, okay, you know, just yeah. maybe just to back up a little bit for your listeners. Yes. The, so so mm-hmm. the special access program is, is a, um, a, a mechanism in Health Canada where you through your doctor your physician can apply for access to medications that aren't yet 
uh, approved in Canada, so FDA approved, right? So these these are things. You know, the example would be uh, you need you, you know you have a, a terminal illness, for example, a cancer medication. Uh, your doctor uh, has tried other things that are available here. Maybe they're not working, and but there's a drug in say Germany that uh, is is showing promise, and so the doctor applies to Health Canada to have access to this this drug um, through the special access program for you. And so generally the conditions are that you're, you know, you're, you're sure it's a life threatening illness you have. And so it, it sort of excludes people who are, who are, um, you know, maybe with minor, minor issues or don't have uh, life threatening illnesses can't really apply to this program. Right. And, and so, um, you know, we, we, the, the, Amendments that are being fixed, or that were now now have been fixed, were specifically excluding a list of drugs that were a list of restricted drugs. Restricted, yeah, so, restricted drugs were excluded from special access. Yeah, programs. and and this came about those those drugs those drugs were listed in the regulations in a special schedule, but you you could access them mm -hmm. through the special access program up through uh, I, I think it was twenty. 12 or 2013, when uh, under the Harper government, uh, in, in response to people getting access to prescription heroin through this program, um, they closed what they called a loophole and took away uh, the ability of doctors to, and patients yeah. to ask for a whole set of drugs, including many psychedelics that were listed in this list. And so this is, you know, when, when the Harper government um, left and Trudeau, the liberals took power, they, they undid the problem to allow access to heroin, but they had never, they never fixed the restrictions on the other drugs. And so psychedelics. the psychedelics and, and, and then a few other substances on there as well. But mm -hmm. like, we're, we, you know, we're in our conversation, we're concerned about the psychedelics here. And so, mm -hmm. um, and so the, the regulatory fix that just happened mm -hmm. a few days ago un, undid, undid that restriction and said, okay, you, you can apply for access through this program to these, these psychedelic drugs. Right. So it opens the door for psychedelic-assisted therapies such, such as psilocybin-assisted therapy or an MDMA-assisted therapy to be applied for under special access. Right. Program. If, if you, if you have a life threatening condition, if you have a doctor that who's uh, willing to, um, uh, you know, willing to give you this treatment and willing to apply for it. Right. right. So, and then, and then right. there's other, there's other restrictions stipulations. and stipulations, for example, like right. where, where are you getting your psilocybin from, for example, where are you getting your MDMA from? Right. That's, that's not, um, that's that's okay. a whole separate regulatory yeah. process yes. for uh, restricted drugs, scheduled drugs to get and access to those, right. right? And it's not only just to clarify; it's not only for life-threatening uh, conditions, but also and there's a stipulation that conventional therapies have uh, have to right. fail. So, so, so if you're so, so, if you're, for example, let, like say say your condition is uh, depression. Or, or I mean, or, right. or even more, you know, more broadly, we could say, you know, that right, right now, um, there, there's people are being treated for uh, end, end of life stress. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, whether if you have a terminal illness, so end of life stress, they're being treated with uh, psilocybin, for example. So that's considered, you know, a life 
life-threatening condition or you're considered mm -hmm. uh, terminal at that point. Um, so you're, you're, you're uh, you know, and this is through mm -hmm. another regulatory mechanism that Health Canada is allowing access to psilocybin. So w will you be able to apply through the special access program to get access mm. to psilocybin? We're not, we're not sure. We, we don't know. Because Theracil, Theracil right. it's an organization in BC that got uh, access to psilocybin-assisted therapy, but they got it not under special access, right? right? They got it from this other, uh, through this other mechanism. Yeah, so, so basically the way, the way our laws are written in Canada is, you know, the, the government goes through and through the, the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act, they schedule substances right. uh, and, you know, provide restrictions on them. But then they also give a mechanism where the health minister can issue an exemption for all kinds of reasons. Right. So whether it's a, okay. whether it's yeah, okay. research purpose or medical purpose or if it's yeah. in the public interest. And so these exemptions right. have been used. Um, the the med medical cannabis was first done uh, through an exemption like this. Now, now it's no longer done that way. Methadone was accessed through this. Even Insight, um, Canada's first supervised consumption site that was uh, approved was done through this exemption process. Um, and okay. and okay. so, yeah. so um, you know, the, the same thing that, that people, uh, people applied, they said we should have access to psilocybin for treating people. The minister was like, sure, go ahead. You know, you get, you get the okay. exemption. It's still, it's still, um, okay. you know, there's other, other uh, restrictions. You have to still deal with where's the psilocybin coming from. You know who's producing it who's you know and so right. that's that's been a sticking point so I, I think i think you know not to not to be like too downer on on the changes the special yeah, access yes, program yes, yes. like the way the way i see it is is you know any any change is positive it provides more access any any okay. change that's providing more access and a new route is great we we really though need to have um Re real regulatory change that allows that right. allows access Absolutely. to these therapies, and that includes that includes MDMA, includes you know like includes psilocybin therapy, and then right. all all these other new therapies that are being studied and show promise. You know whether that's whether that's uh, uh, ibogaine, whether that's ayahuasca, whether that's right. whether that's LSD or other ther psychedelic therapies. Um, you know, we, we need to have a route by which these become accessible and, right. and addresses the whole chain of like, who's producing this, mm -hmm. right. where is it coming from? What are the conditions that people can get it and use right. it? So I have a few questions here. If we stick, if we stay with the special, with the special access program, with, with the amendment to that. First of all, I just want to point out that in the document, in this amendment, Health Canada actually explicitly mentions um uh, that MDMA-assisted therapy uh, for PTSD, as well as psilocybin-assisted therapy for treatment-resistant depression, have been granted breakthrough status by FDA, which is uh, a very rare designation, which essentially means breakthrough status means that therapies, that uh, that this particular therapy is a very promising therapy that, sh that is showing higher promise than any other. Uh, than any other uh, existing therapies. So, so, my, so they actually mentioned. Yeah, that, and my my yeah. understanding though is that breakthrough um, status is is in the U.S. Right? 
breakthrough therapies in the US, right. yes. So it's not, but Health Canada mentions yeah. that in their documents. Right. So it's, you know? so so it's, it's sort of, it's, it's, in, it's, you know, it's sort of the case they're making for like, yes. we can do it too, yes. because the, the US government yes. has yes. recognized yes. this thing, but we, we don't really have that designation I, I, yes. of like breakthrough yes. therapy. And what I'm saying, yeah. what I'm saying, it's interesting that they actually explicitly mentioned these two therapies, yeah. which yeah. are the most promising and research therapies right well, now well, I, in their documents. Yeah, and I think it's safe to say that, you know, like M MDMA, uh, particularly for PTSD is like, it's like, it's on the track, right? Like we're in, you know, phase right. three it's, trials it's, are, are wrapping yes. up. Uh, it's, 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 wrapping you know, up, like it's, yes. it's been delayed a little bit because of COVID, yes. but, um, but this is, you know, we're looking at, uh, 2023, 2022, maybe 20, you know, possibly for having approval of, of these therapies, like, like all the mechanism for, uh, having actual do you think do you think 2023 will actually will have mdma assisted I, therapy approved in canada i i, I, I think so and like i it's probably going to happen wow. it's probably going to happen in the u.s first but i i think it's wow. it's on track you know maps maps That's... uh public benefit corp in the u.s is is training therapists oh, wow. and oh, producing mdma yes. like it's i think it's um you know we're, we're gonna have it and that that was the whole God, point you amazing. know the yeah, and it's it's really an amazing feat. I think you know M MDMA. Like my my understanding is that's the um, MDMA for PTSD is is the largest independently funded um, research. You know, and I mean, so it's research, not yes. yet so for for uh, uh, approval. So it's not you know it wasn't done by big pharma. It wasn't done by uh, you know corporate interest. It was done by a, you know led by a nonprofit. Uh, or, independent or, sponsors to yeah, private sponsors. That, that just yes. you know wanted to see this therapy happen and you know and, and i think yeah. it's it's really like you know fingers crossed 2023 um we we actually can see this therapy roll out in canada and that's um that's incredible that would be yeah. that would be i was like counting more in 2024 uh myself and Maybe. and uh, and my group here in winnipeg including a psych i'm a psychologist there's a psychiatrist we have a little group here in winnipeg we have just finished uh the four month course by maps uh yeah uh, uh by maps usa uh, a very intense uh, excellent four month training for mdma assisted therapies uh, uh, specifically, so uh, we've seen <laughs> it's just amazing to see see the kind of healing that is happening uh, during absolutely. these sessions. Just uh, incredible. Uh, so we are very excited to be a part of this uh, of this field. Now, um, who then? Who in Canada right now under special access? Uh, you, you mentioned that. Where do you get MDMA? Uh, if you apply to special access, for example, let's take our case. We are we are trained, almost finished our training with Maps Canada. We can technically apply for special access, and we we have clients. I've worked as a psychotherapist for over twenty years, and I have a few clients that meet the criteria of uh, the severe, long-standing PTSD, where other therapies don't seem to work, etc., and are uh, willing to uh, to try this therapy, but. Um, but uh, when we apply at this point to special access uh, through Health Canada, uh, is Health Canada, then do you understand the mechanisms? Do we have to also have uh, a pharmaceutical company that delivers MDMA as a part of the application? That does Health Canada have a, a pharmaceutical company 
an arrangement that they will deliver MDMA if the special access treatment is approved. Yeah, I'm I'm not totally sure, but I I, totally I sure. believe I believe you have to in, independently. I, I don't know that you have to um, specify this in the special access program, but it's sort of it. Ha- at some point, it has to come where you where you're yeah. like this is this is where I'm getting the MDMA from, and yeah, it, it might it might be something that's imported from uh, the Maps. US maps yeah. in the US that's, that has a license to produce that or uh, a, another licensed producer of, of MDMA. But, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think I, I, it's just, you know, there's another regulatory piece that has to come through uh, the, the Office of Controlled Substances, which is a different branch of the government that approves things like importing uh, oh, yes, yes. Substance, substances and yeah. you know and they're, they they want to make sure you have protocols for how do you store yeah, it that, how do you, that is actually yeah you know, yeah, yeah. And that's then, actually and then, mentioned you know, yeah. right and so those are all those all you know like not not to, again not to be negative those are all those are all barriers to okay. uh, people like yourself doing it right. it's not not insurmountable but it's like okay these are additional steps uh, I have to negotiate with the government to get approval to import this Absolutely. drug or do it, but but it's possible. Like you know, we obviously like we've imported uh, MDMA for all the research, research. studies that were exactly. conducted here, and I I think particularly with MDMA, uh, the special access program shows shows promise um, because because uh, particularly if Health Canada is willing to look at the U.S. and say like yeah they've they've designated this breakthrough therapy that's a that's a point. Like, like for, you know, no, nowhere in nowhere in the world yet has MDMA therapy or psilocybin therapy been approved, approved like fully, right? It's but all. But has it been? It, and my question is, has it been approved anywhere in the world for this uh, special access mechanism? Well, we we it's the special access mechanism is unique in Canada. There's a there's the parallel in the states, which is the breakthrough therapy. So I think, like oh, you know okay. that, and I and I'm not aware of other any other country in the world that's sort of gone okay. gone this route yet. So we but, are really ahead of the world, in, even in this little step that you don't consider a huge step, but we're still leading the world. As far as I know, and I and I, I'm like to be okay. honest, I'm not aware of yes. of other. I, 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 probably would have heard or you would have heard yes. if other countries had made right. uh, changes around this. But I, I think right. it's, you know, I, I think, I, I think it's great. It's going to provide, right. it's going to provide access to some, some people, uh, particularly people working with uh, trained therapists like yourself who, who are like, yeah, we want access to this. We're going to apply. We're going to go through the hurdles. You know, it's interesting to see whether uh, health Canada, you know, what, the, what they're, turnaround time is how what they consider what kinds of information they want um and you know and, and again I, I think it's it's important to recognize that it's just like okay it's it's positive change mm-hmm. for a certain group limited people limited number of people it's mm-hmm. not you know it, it's it's going to be difficult in rural areas it's going to be different it's going to be difficult with non-traditional settings uh, of therapy, for example, right, so for example, is this is this does the special access program uh, have have any consideration of sort of indigenous indigenous yeah. lens or um, holistic wellness approaches that are non traditional or non colonial? Uh, no, I, I don't think they they thought of that. It's sort of 
it's it's sort of uh, the medicalized model and, of ac access to these drugs, which you know that's sort of that's sort of where the clinical research trials have led us so far. And that's a whole a big question of the uh, sure. complications, risks, and benefits between regulated, medicalized delivery of these therapies versus uh, an unregulated um, yeah. deliveries. And, and absolutely, and I, and I think ultimately what we've got to get to in Canada is, is a regulatory framework that allows broad access, right? So that allows not just access in a medicalized environment for people and, and also not just for people who are, who are um, you know, with life-threatening illnesses. Like ultimately mm -hmm. we have to get to the point where you're like th this, this, you know, like you, you have, you have depression, maybe not debilitating depression, but you yes. have depression. And so the first, the first round of treatment doesn't necessarily need to be pharmaceutical um, drugs that, that have a very sketchy track record. It could be, it could be first out of the box. You're like, yeah, I'd like to try uh, a psychedelic therapy right. uh, as, as, as a first line mechanism, you know, and maybe exactly. that's, maybe that's psilocybin and not with a, physician, but it's with, you know, a guide or a trained person. And, and again, again, like we need a framework that looks at indigenous, uh, you know, like ther therapy and wellness from an indigenous lens uh, with, with different cultural settings. Um, the, the, I think the idea of like, you know, one, one clinician, one patient is, is very foreign to how um, many indigenous people would want to want to experience um uh, taking these psychedelic drugs, whether it's whether it's for medical use or for spiritual use or religious use, it's it's going to be a much different setting. Right. And so we need to right. have the regulatory tools in place to allow that to be done in a, in a way that's safe and safe and uh, reduces harm. Absolutely, and so the indigenous uh, lens, but also the access lens in general, uh, deliver delivering this therapy in a kind of one. Uh, on an individual basis will be very expensive so obviously we will not have the ability to equitably deliver this therapy in this model this is just the beginning this kind of medical one one person model is kind of a beginning perhaps of it but yeah and there's also we would there's have a, to develop a, other models sure and there's a question of like you know who who's paying Right, who's paying? Who's paying for this therapy? Right, um, you know, not not yet covered under provincial medical plans, um, and and it won't be through the special access program. So I'm guessing, um, I'm guessing clients are self self funded, and that includes, um, you know, the most expensive cost isn't even isn't even the psychedelic themselves. No, it's no. it's it's the time, your time, with yes, them, right? Yes, and, yes. And, and so. You know, we're we're looking at uh, like obviously things that are uh, like group group sessions are much more cost effective and have Absolutely. a lot of other other benefits. So I know right. people are people are starting to look at getting um, government exemptions to do group therapy right. uh, uh, with psilocybin or other th other uh, ketamine has has been done. So the Roots to Thrive right. on Vancouver Island has been doing this model for uh, a while, and it's just very very positive results. That's wonderful. Yeah, no, that's that's great, and also um, and also uh, even smaller adjustments such as uh, 
obviously for uh, I think everybody understands for for ethical and safety client safety reasons we need two therapists in dosing sessions especially for MDMA assisted therapy but for any psychedelic therapy that's to me that's there's no question about that but uh, but we don't necessarily need two therapists to conduct uh, preparatory and integration sessions you know so that that might also cut uh, cut costs in the future not initially you know but in the future and um, another point I want to make is that you know in my mind uh, the way I understand MDMA uh, assisted therapy that it's really relational healing it the healing really happens in relation MDMA uh, seems to be such a relational drug and uh, and uh, so naturally uh, couples therapy or any kind of sort of relationship therapy this is the most obvious and logical choice for this therapy and obviously the difficulty is that dsm diagnosis are within this medical model dsm diagnosis are individual individual diagnosis there's no really any kind of couples diagnosis so you know uh, but in the future Obviously, that's another route that uh, that that we will want to pave towards yeah. uh, relationship therapy, whether it's couples or any other relationships. Absolutely, and and uh, at, at Maps Canada, we're very happy to be supporting research done by uh, Dr. Ann Wagner. Uh, yes. That is that is so. Um, she she has done uh, pilot studies around couples, uh, one of which has PTSD, and the the other doesn't. But working with both couples, and, and then also with using. Um, using cognitive processing therapy in conjunction with uh, with, uh, treat, with 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 the therapy as well. So the idea is like integrating traditional right. traditional um, psychotherapies that are used for PTSD with the MDMA assisted therapy. Right. And so the, the the idea is to create a, a sort of an expansion of mm-hmm. of the scenarios to to provide better results and success and and i think also ultimately like what the bottleneck in in having mdma assisted therapy rolled out may not be the government it may just be uh, the actual number of therapists who are interested in doing this therapy and who take the four months or the time to train to do it mm-hmm. and and who do it well so i think i think you know there's there's probably um, uh, you know this this bottleneck of getting enough mm-hmm. therapists out there uh, to, to provide trained and ready to do this, and I and I think you know ultimately the the public I think is you know they're, they're like the public is coming along, they're learning, but year decades and decades of stigma uh, by you know government induced stigma based yeah. on the war on drugs on on, right. on these these drugs that you know that that we know. Um, cut short research that was showing promise in the 1950s and 60s mm-hmm. and cut it short. And we had many years that things weren't being studied. And so we've lost a lot of time on this, but, but in the, in the public eye, you know, it's sort of like, like, Oh, drugs are, drugs are yes. scary and drugs are dangerous. And, you know, and, and these are folks that are sort of willing to take pharma drugs mm-hmm. uh, for conditions. But um, I, I think there's a bit of a, you know, a PR campaign uh, about these these substances and what they do, and, and I think that's happening as the research rolls out. But it's it's still going to be you know individuals who are who are like, oh, that's scary to me, or that's new, or different. Right. 
and I'm sure you know the mainstream uh, uh, the results from uh, from psychedelic assisted therapies and DMA assisted therapies are so powerful the effect sizes are so powerful comparing to anything out there I mean there's no comparison between SSRIs and MDMA-assisted therapy, this is, there's zero comparison. Yeah. There, you know, 0.3 versus 2.1, if you calculate the the, the D, the 2.1 is, uh, by the way, a humongous effect size. You know, a large effect size is considered mm -hmm. 0.8. So right. uh, in any case, well, but do you and, think and, that and pharma, so, that the sorry. mainstream pharma will, will will look for reasons to, to kind of... Um, um, any 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 trouble in the field might be amplified by them if anything happens, so that they don't lose that that SSRIs themselves might lose some of the right. their sales, or it might decline. Yeah, or no, I, I think that's you know that's that's the reality. It's it's a little, it's unfortunately cynical, but it's I think it's true, right? It's it's sort of the reality. We know we know that you know big pharma has lobbyists that that are in Ottawa and well-funded and want to make sure things don't happen. I mean, you know, the, with a therapy as promising as MDMA, you know, mm -hmm. again, like that should be first line mm -hmm. therapy, mm -hmm. probably not, not, you know, end of, it's, end of the line. Right. If these results hold, if the results, uh, and which, I which, mean, we, we already have very strong results. Yeah. So it, it looks but, like they, they will hold. And, and, and the, you know, the difference is that, you know, you, you engage in, a few, you know, you have a few preparatory sessions, a few MDMA sessions, a few integrative sessions, and you're done, you're cured. And yes. instead of instead of like, I'm on, you know, taking SSRIs my entire life, because, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's the, the economics of it, I think, I think what, you know, we're, my organization is the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. And I mm -hmm. part of part of my mission is to promote mm -hmm multidisciplinary research and so okay. i think okay. i think beyond yeah. the clinical trials we really right. need you know we really need a lot of uh research in the psychedelics field in general around things like economics and cultural use and gender and equity and all of these other fields uh that that inform uh the landscape a bit more and so so we don't we don't just say like yeah here's a Here's a clinical trial. This mm -hmm. substance, you know, from a medical viewpoint, we actually look and can say, like, look at the look at the economics of this thing as a society, and why it makes sense to fund it, and why it makes sense right. that this is a better treatment, for example. Or we look at like these are the cultural uses and the ways that things can be safely used in, in society. So yes. yes. Very, very exciting times and a lot of a lot of potential for the future. In the meantime, even uh, even taking that lens of we have, you know, the psychedelic field should be very careful not to make any missteps right now and, and to try to adhere to the highest ethical standards and all, all that so that we do not give any reasons to anybody to attack the field. Because, you know, I mean, the, the truth is just one bad thing happens within the mainstream mm -hmm. psychedelic research, and it can delay the whole. That's how everything works. Absolutely. And, and pharma and, would just jump on it right away if something well, bad happens. So yeah, and I and I think you touched on that. You know, sort of the having having the uh, the two therapists in the room, and I think you know right. these, things still happen. Hundred percent all the and time. It, and you know, particularly particularly MDMA is such a you know hurt 
heart opening and heart opening you know, connection it's, it's for connection right. it's just very right you know you have we have to be careful and i think you're absolutely right very like careful. there's we, we need to approach this with the highest ethics uh the highest you know yes. we need to pr- approach it with thoughtfulness and and i think yes. that's it's difficult now because uh a, a lot of folks are looking at the psychedelics field as you know this the next gold rush right and, right. and so there, there's a lot of money and investment right. coming in and um you know individuals that probably don't have uh health wellness safety as a top priority uh they might have profit or other kinds of things as their priority and so i think i think it's really important for us to define the ethics and the values that we want to see in yeah. a psychedelics field and environment right. in canada and so that's yeah. that's up to those involved and stakeholders who you know and that includes that includes nonprofits and businesses and right. therapists and patients and um, you know all, all sorts of folks. We really need to have these conversations about uh, what, yeah. what the lands, what it needs to look like, and what we should. And have. this is this is this is the you know this is the 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 kind of a little bit of a of, of a of a tricky thing, a little bit of tension because you know there are these, and I I haven't been involved in any under under kind of ground work, uh, but you know there's. Uh, the guides and the pioneers, etc. These are the people that actually brought those therapies to life, right. and now they actually might be marginalized from uh, being able to provide those therapies legally because they are not uh, a part of regulated professions. On the other hand, we know that within those uh, unregulated co- uh, contexts, there is slightly more chances for for ethical transgressions that are very dangerous for the field so it's a and, very and, pe- and people don't people don't make the distinctions they won't they won't yes. make a distinction between like oh you're a yes. you're a licensed registered therapist right. you know that all the all they'll read is like oh yeah. somebody somebody was doing psychedelic therapy and this bad thing happened and you know right. and, and that's and it that's what it, that's the, it. it and it, and it changes like, oh, this is yeah. unregulated and this is regulated there is yeah. not going to be yeah and, and i really think though like you hit on a point though there, there's such a wealth of knowledge of people you know in in in, in a you know climate of prohibition people still take drugs they still use drugs and this this whole um, body of people doing underground delivery of psychedelic work evolved over decades Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know and i and i like to me i think it's a it's a shame to lose the lessons and the expertise of these people so i'd like to see some some mechanism where the government can actually you know bring people into the fold and i i personally you know we watched we watched with cannabis legalization Mm -hmm. um you know the, the government um you know sort of excluded this huge swath of people illegally producing cannabis mm. uh, from entering the market and so you know the mm. end result was that was that there's still this huge unregulated unlicensed um uh, supply out there and mm-hmm. and so i'd like to see you know among the 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 many lessons we can get with cannabis legal legal legalization that we shouldn't replicate um you know one of them is is sort of what do we do with people who are acting in the illegal market, you know, how do we bring them in in a way that's that's safe and controlled, mm-hmm. so that we're not having these like parallel um, uh, these these parallel markets and systems running that are that are right. ultimately not good for consumers. 
Right, right. No, that's a, that's a big issue, and there's lots, yeah, lots to. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it can happen. So, everybody, because we owe to these people as well, to a lot of these people that have done this work, and that's the, that's the only reason that these therapies are coming to uh, to the market right now. You know, so absolutely. So that uh, I don't know if you have uh, if you have any more time, Scott. I was just wondering about. Would you are you okay for another sure, question sure, or you want to run? Sure. Um, okay, so just a general question. We just let's let's stick with this. Um, so this is so new. This is MDMA assisted therapy is so new, psilocybin assisted therapy is so new on the on the legal sphere, in the regulated sphere. And uh, so how do we like what are the mechanisms? How at this point, how do we establish standards of practice? There is a medical prescribing doctor. Who can prescribe? There are the therapists. Who can deliver those therapies? What are the regulatory bodies doing as far as you know right now? Right now, uh, a group like my group can apply for. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very uncertain area, you know. Are we, who, who decides that we are sufficiently trained because we took a four-month um, course uh, from MAPS uh, to, to deliver this therapy? Can you tell a little bit about how do you understand those in this, these early stages when a new therapy comes to market in, on the, in the, the, for the regulated professions, how those standards uh, evolve and where, where are we at right now? Yeah, um, you know, to, to my knowledge, this is all just new, this is new ground. And, um, you know, we're, we're creating uh, standards and protocols are being created. Um, you know, over time and in conjunction with the, with the training, you know, as we learn more, uh, these protocols, uh, you know, and and obviously there were, there were protocols developed around the research studies that have been approved and ethics reviewed, et cetera. And so that's, you know, that's a bit of our starting point where we, where we go from there and, you know, and and build upon that. Um, To my knowledge, though, there hasn't been a lot of engagement from regulatory colleges. And so this mm. might be like the College of Physicians and Surgeons or right. pharmacists or um, college regulating. How uh, do you understand that, given how far the research has gone and I, given the, amaz- the, the the incredible, incredibly positive results for safety and efficacy? Yeah, I, I, I don't really know. All I can say is that, you know, traditionally these colleges are very um, like small C conservative. And, mm-hmm. you know, and they're very, they're very wary of drug prescribing. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of this in the area around uh, safe supply. And so, you know, the government has, has opened the doors for dealing with our, our drug poisoning crisis going on in Canada and opened the doors to the provinces to do this. The provinces said, yeah, we're in on board of it. And ultimately, the doctors are, are getting word from their own colleges, like, don't do this. It's, you know, we, we don't want you prescribing opioids to people who are have substance use disorder. And if the, if, if the like, college says that, then the doctor can do it. Yeah, you know, or, or you can do it, but you're sort of at risk of being audited or, you know, getting getting mm-hmm. a fine. You know, like it's, it's sort of the climate of like, it's not worth my effort. And, and I think, right. I think, you know, a lot, a lot of these folks within these it's colleges, the effort, regulatory right. bodies are, are just sort of, you know, wary of drugs, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and that's, that's sort of a, a holdover of the stigma again of, of prohibition yeah. and, and the war on drugs that we've had. And so sure. I, I think, it, I think it's just, you know, there needs to be uh, education campaigns. Right. There needs yeah. to be, um, you know, organizations such as, such as, uh, you know, your, your group need to be talking to your regulatory bodies mm-hmm. and saying like, we, we want to do this. We want to mm-hmm. do this therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want, you know, we want to be regulated in a good way so that yes. the public trusts us. You yes. need to take this on. Right. right? So and- I think it's, you know, largely will come from uh, physicians, therapists right. themselves, I think, pushing their colleges to right. recognize this. Uh, is Maps Canada uh, a branch of Maps uh, Maps USA, or is uh, Maps Canada an, a separate organization? Yeah, we're we're a separate organization. We're uh, I, I like to call us a brand partner. So we share we share sort of logos and branding of yes. things, but we're an independent organization. Okay. We're a, a nonprofit a charity yeah. within Canada. We have our own board of directors and operate yeah. uh, independently. And so yeah. uh, we we um, you know we work in partner on specific projects but we're we're not um yeah. you know we're not reporting to maps or doing things we you know also we're also a much smaller organization than maps in the u.s right, so, right. so you know there's are you, are you growing we we are you know in in we are growing we're we're building you know the organization up i think i think there's a role for us in canada in the future yeah. uh that that makes us uh you know sort of a, a field leader and a sustainable organization that really nice. can uh, help psychedelic field evolve and, and nice. support support uh, evidence-based research and advocacy that, that brings equitable access to psychedelics to Canada. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's great. Um, is there anything, I mean, we could talk about MAPSCAN. I know you, you don't have too much time, so I, I'm not sure whether you would like to tell us a little bit more about MAPS Canada and your initiatives and your mission and what's been uh, what you've been doing uh, or or should we uh, table this for some other time i i would love to i would love to talk about that maybe maybe we could table that for another time i think we have some um some interesting things that we're we're working on now we just uh we just did a, a webinar uh doing an overview of research psychedelic research in canada and had some really interesting guests on who are involved with the MDMA trials and are doing, um, we had uh, Dr. Hayden Rubinson and um, Dr. Ann, Dr. Ann Wagner on talking mm. about their research. And so mm. uh, people, people can find that on our Maps Canada YouTube channel and mm. watch. Um, we, we, we just finished that. Uh, we're now working on, uh, on some uh, other things. We'll be, we'll be pushing out to we're working in collaboration around a, a survey of psychedelics that's going to be the most comprehensive psychedelic survey uh, in Canada ever. And so we're partnering, partnering on uh, that initiative. Uh, we're working other, uh, on other new innovative um, things. So I'd, I'd love to come on again and maybe talk in some detail about uh, what we're well, doing. That, and, that would be and wonderful. And, vision, and so. I, I should just mention that if people in Canada want to support uh, MDMA, psilocybin-assisted therapies, psychedelic-assisted therapies. I can't think of a better organization than Maps Canada. So, get in touch if you uh, if you have some extra cash for sure. That's the way Thank to uh, to channel it for sure, hundred percent. Maps you, uh, Maps USA has been. It was it's crazy. Rick walks uh, 
Rick walks, uh, does an interview with Tim Ferriss, and he walks out with a surprising gift of $10 million. Yeah. And, and uh, here <laughs> comes Scott, comes do an interview with me and walks out with nothing. That's, you know, it's... That's, <laughs> what the heck? It's all, it's all, it's all uh, you know, Rick, Rick's worked really hard. Uh, you know, he's, he's definitely since built 86. up that. Yeah. Since 86. He's built, you know, this is his, yeah. this is his life mission. Right. And um, you know, I think I think he he deserves he deserves so much of the credit for why we're here and why we're able to do what we can do. So I think um, you know, very happy for their success. But your your listeners, they can check out our our organization. We we um, we we're producing a lot of things, uh, educating people. We have uh, a really active base of volunteers that are working on re- research and policy and. Uh, education, and um, you can read about our organization at mapscanada.org. Uh, if you want to donate to our organization, it's very much appreciated, and it's uh, tax exempt, or, or it's uh, you get you get a charitable receipt. We're a tax exempt organization, so that's um, you know happy happy to have it, and happy to have the support. That's that's wonderful, Scott. Uh, I so appreciate you finding time uh, to to talk to me. Thank you for all the wonderful work you're doing. I wish you all the best with this, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Yeah, thank you. My, my pleasure, Derek, and uh, thank you for your work uh, you're doing. And uh, I would love to chat more. That, that would be great. MapsCanada.org, Scott Bernstein. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you.